This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. What is the plan for the weekend? Um, the weekend, I'm going to be writing, actually. That's all I'm going to be doing is writing. And 11-year-old Jack has been told that he's in charge of cooking, cleaning, and trying to find money for the mortgage next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can just write. So you will hopefully be not hungry and have lots written by the end of the weekend. Yes, and be very wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the plan. Or at least have chocolate, something like that. But I guess more excited at the moment is about um, being able to speak to the Māori Affairs Select Committee today. Awesome. What about? Yeah. Um, it's uh, the submissions for the Māori wards. They were only open for 24 hours and I made my submission at uh, 10 o'clock on Thursday night just after they opened and I had my phone call last night uh, inviting me um, to speak today at half past two. Awesome. And yeah, what are you saying? Really excited. Um, I'm just going to be talking, um, I guess, about my, my very good friend, Tony Boynton, who we've interviewed on this show, said a long time ago when her and I started this journey and like this journey's now taken us all the way to the parliament and, and now finally a legislative change that we we've been what a buzz it is to have been part of this but she said she wants to look into our council and for her children to be able to see themselves reflected back and we will not have that until we are allowed to have Māori wards because we will always get locked out by interest groups like Hobson's uh, choice and you know, those kind of groups that have resources to mobilise against us and they just lock us out and we will finally have the opportunity for our children to see themselves in that space and know that they belong there, that they can take up that kaitiaki role uh, for our environment and, and I'm just so incredibly proud Sam and um, yeah it's been amazing, what, a, what an incredible mission it's been. What a buzz, that'll be so exciting. It will. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. But I just wanted to mention that because it's really <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> I but look, we are here to... I look forward to Sorry, a report Sam? on it. I look forward to a report on it on Monday. Oh, I, I look forward to sharing. And who are um, we introducing? Also, uh, today I'm really excited to introduce Damien Foster. He is a facilitator for Enviro Schools based in Wanaka. Um, I have to say I didn't actually know a whole lot about Enviro Schools, but now I know a bit more and I'm looking forward to learning a lot more. But um, I love that what you guys do, Damien, is actually create change. So, wow, that's really awesome. Thanks for doing that. Well, thank you for having me along today. And um, that's a lovely introduction. I'm I'm, I'm honoured to to be here. Thank you. Kia ora, Damien. Where are you, Damien? (laughs) 
So I'm, I'm uh, in uh, in Wanaka, well, just outside Wanaka. I've, I've lived here for um, about 12 years, been in New Zealand about 14 years, and I'm, I'm hiding in my office right now. Were you working from your office during lockdown? I was indeed, yes. I, I work from home when I'm not in schools uh, most of the time anyway, so in that respect it wasn't uh, an enormous change for me to work for home. I know it has been for other people. Um, I, I've probably worked from home for about nine years, so I, I um, have my routines around that already. Um, I, I, th- I consider it a privilege, actually. It's great to work from home. I, I like it. So an Enviro Schools facilitator. You're going to have to give us Enviro Schools facilitator 101. Yeah. Okay. So we um, we work with uh, New Zealand schools um, because in the New Zealand curriculum, um, Hmm. How's it put? Sustainability forms part of the curriculum, and in response to that, Enviro schools have uh, produced a lot of uh, resources and programs to support teachers and schools on their sustainability journey. Um, the Enviro schools Kopapa um, is designed to uh, support and uplift the children. Uh, I guess uh, our mission statement, if you like, for a one hundred and one, is to create a generation of children who intrinsically think and act sustainably there you go and you do that by working with individual schools yeah so um i'm very lucky i work with children and and teachers and our aim is to to bring about um well we want to empower children to take action themselves um so usually that's within their school or locality um with there is sort of formal uh education for sustainability as well but um i think empowering students is probably one of the the main things we do. Um, Māori perspectives uh, form quite a big part of uh, our resources and, and the work that we do as well. Um, and yeah, it's just a real privilege to get in there and, and work with kids and support our teachers who are, um, you know, they, they have a very heavy workload. They 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 work very intensively, and and it's just a wonderful position to be able to, uh, you know, offer my my help in whatever form that can take and to try and lighten their burden. Yeah. And working with schools means that you must have to essentially start from scratch with a new group of kids each year. Yeah, new kids um, each year, although we follow them through the schools and, and often new teachers as well. And uh, Wanaka's quite a, uh, well, it's really growing here in Wanaka. So we've had a new school recently, um, new early childhood. So I work with early childhoods um, and primaries and also sometimes with, with high school. Um, yeah, so you're always walking into different situations, different you have to you have to uh, get to know people quickly and um, and yeah hopefully you know present myself of something uh, you know support something attractive a way to to help you know and uh, if I go in with that attitude it's, it's generally very well received um, so unfortunate I suppose we do things as well as in class you you know you'll find us planting or water testing or um, you know initiatives around waste things like that yeah so how many schools do you work with? I work with seven schools uh, currently. Um, I think we've got a waiting list of another seven. Um, so uh, hopefully that's a good sign that things are, are going well. Um, yeah, and like I say, I, I love it. It's it's a great job. I really enjoy it. And there's a good atmosphere in Wanaka. There's a there's a bit of a buzz about the fee, about the the town in a sort of sustainability space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an unusual place. I think a lot of people would say Wanaka, but in, in terms of sustainability, it's a community that's very engaged. And I think the the parents in particular, um, 
you know, value it being part of what, what children do at school. Um, be because we, we're having so much development recently, I think it's very much kind of in the community's um, consciousness, protecting the, the place despite the fact it, it growing. Um, I, I suppose a, a lot of people move here because it, it's a beautiful place with, you know, mountains and lake and so on. So, so it's important to the community that the water is clean and that the, you know, nature isn't interfered with. So that's probably uh, constantly in the background here in Monica. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Harry McClintock, Big Rock, Candy Mountain. Why this one? <laughs> um, I've always loved it. Uh, uh, so in, um, so I, I, I'm English, you can probably tell. In, in, in our culture, there used to be the idea of the, uh, the noble tramp. I know in American culture, there's the hobo. Um, I need to be careful here because I don't want to romanticise homelessness because obviously that's traumatic for people. But... Um, this, this song, I think, is a fond hobo song, and um, it speaks of the Big Rock Candy Mountain, which is, a, a, I guess, a place of fantasy or ideals. And um, I, 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 I love the idea of the noble tramp, and I, um, I guess slightly New Zealand was my Big Rock Candy Mountain <laughs> place. Um, it doesn't have lakes of stew and of whiskey too here, but, you know, it's still very good. <laughs> Well, you, you uh, sing your sing your version of it then. Well, the clean one. The clean one. Yeah. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning, down the track came a hobo hiking, and he said, "Boys, I'm not turning. I'm headed for a land that's far away, beside the crystal fountains. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountains." In the big rock candy mountains There's a land that's fair and bright Where the handouts grow on bushes And you sleep out every night Where the boxcars all are empty And the sun shines every day On the birds and the bees And the cigarette trees And the lemonade springs Where the bluebird sings In the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains all the cops have wooden legs And the bulldogs all have rubber teeth And the hens lay soft-boiled eggs There the farmer's trees are full of fruit And the barns are full of hay And I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow And the rain don't fall and the wind don't blow In the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains You never change your socks and the little streams of alcohol come a-trickling down the rocks. There ain't no short-handled shovels, no axes, spades, or picks. And I'm bound to stay where they sleep all day, where they hung the Turk that invented work in the Big Rock Candy Mountains. In the Big Rock Candy Mountains, all the jails are made of tin. And you can walk right out again as soon as you are in. Why the brakemen have to tip their hats and the railroad bulls are blind. There's a lake of stew and a gin lake too. You can paddle all around them in a big canoe in the big rock candy mountain. I really, I do really respect people who can live with nothing. You know, I, I think as a society we we uh, we're told that's a failure to to be homeless, but um, if people can do that. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're living without 
drawing on all the resources the rest of us are so i greatly respect them but yeah i don't want to romanticize homelessness does the enviro schools curriculum cover that kind of social justice question or or is it as the title says enviro um yeah social justice does come into it and um sustainable communities is one of the um five guiding principles we have and and often that for the children, that can be things like supporting, um, you know, needy causes in the community, or um, you know, helping. That, that that could be perhaps visiting the old people's home, or helping other children in the community, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, sense of of community is really really important. Um, and I guess the vision um, of Enviro Schools would be. Uh, a fairer world with with greater equality um, uh, and, and and us living together in greater harmony. I wouldn't say that's something we we strongly promote, but it's it's there in in the uh, co-popa, yeah. In terms of or big rocks, and you're talking about the sense of community and also the the sense of place. We w- walked up um, Roy's Peak last week. Oh, great. You get an amazing sense of place from up there. And as, mm. mum, as mum worked out, it's higher than any hill in, in the UK, okay. uh, which she was happily telling her, her relatives. Do you, think, do you think you've got it harder because the, sense, because the, the place is so stunning? And I'm saying harder because it's harder to sort of think that it could be damaged. Or maybe it's easier because even just like a little scratch on it becomes apparent. Um. So in the time I've been here, it, it, it has changed significantly in a human sense and in a physical sense. And uh, I, I guess I do have a concern about that. Um, I, it's when I, I, I consider myself to live in enormous privilege to be here. So hard is an interesting word to use <laughs> with, with that. But um, uh, it would be a real shame if, if, if the place is ruined. But But I'd like to think you know, that the community really don't want that to happen. Mm. And they do recognise that things can look pretty good, but there'll be, you know, hidden hidden problems. I'm, I'm thinking of the, the water quality, which looks stunning. But if, yes. you go for a, if you go for a 10k swim in it, like I did last week, you come yep. out of the water covered in lake snow. Yeah, yeah. So we do definitely um, face challenges like that. Um, so... <laughs> Wanaka has traditionally, I, th- I think, I mean, people who've lived here longer than me would speak to this more eloquently or, or in greater depth, but it's, it's traditionally been quite a difficult place to live uh, in terms of employment and things like It's a very seasonal, tourist place, ski town, that kind of thing. Um, and w- uh, for a long time, we couldn't see how we could stay living here. And, and to an extent, it feels like that still. Um, but, you know, children house where you know time goes by doesn't it um yeah you can see the impact i mean um lake snow is definitely not unique to 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 wanaka but um waste has been a challenge and waste busters uh celebrated 20 years um recently and and that's a really great example of um community action to to address that issue um you know it's a social enterprise not-for-profit set up by the people of Wanaka for the people of Wanaka, which is, uh, um, you know, uh, gold standard as far as I'm concerned. Um, talking about community action and and talking about the, the things that the, that the kids do, because you said it's quite a lot of being, um, you know, empowering them to take action themselves. What sort of things do the, the kids around there want to do? Um, they love, they love um, the lake 
Nick, I'll give you a great example. Um, one of the schools did here, one of the primary, uh, the year before last. Um, the children, this is a good thing for them to relate to. So we've got eels in the lake here in, in Wanaka, really big, impressive eels that you'll see from the jetty. And they're landlocked because of the dams that go along the river further down. And the children were really alarmed about that because um, they learned, you know, about how eels reproduce and migration and things like that. Um, and they wrote to the then Associate Minister for the Environment, Eugenie Sage. And um, I was so impressed because she came to town and visited the school, came to the classrooms, um, met with the children. Um, and I'm, I'm not taking credit for that at all. That was the children who, who did that and the teachers. And um, I just thought it was a really great example for them of, of citizenship and care for, for your place. And, and, they, uh, and they got a great response from government. So fantastic. You know. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mi aroha nui, kia koutou ko tahoho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together has proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. A triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better. Thank you. As we know, all of us globally, right here, right now, are having to deal with multiple levels of uncertainty and the unknown, the unexpected. Many aspects of our lives have changed and are continuing to change. And we too are being asked to change. We too are having to change in response. And as we all know, as a species, we are incredibly adaptable. We are incredibly creative. We are very good at cooperating and we are constantly co-evolving with all life in an infinite web. However, as a species, we also love security and comfort. We love our routines. We love knowing the parameters of an experience. We love feeling that we are in control. And whether or not it's ever possible to be in control, having a sense of that ability to make choices, that ability to shape our lives in the ways that we want, of course, are all very desirable. So how can we move through and work through these times that are more uncomfortable, that are challenging to us because they are so full of the uncertain, the unexpected, the unknown? How can we care for ourselves and each other in the best way? And how can we put as much as possible structures in place to make sure that we feel strong and we feel we are still able to make choices? I know for me that doing my best to be open to opportunities, while we may feel that several doors are closed, 
of course new ones inevitably have opened and by casting our eyes out by opening our minds by breathing deeply and slowing our heart rate by feeling calm as much as we possibly can by giving ourselves happy chemicals by doing exercise and having loving experiences with other life forms around us we can I hope create a more receptive state for ourselves to see the opportunities that this new way of being is presenting to us one of them of course is a deepened appreciation of ourselves and our skills a deepened appreciation of one another the skills that we all possess that we can bring together and make things even better with a deepened appreciation for our home for our backyard the desire to nurture our homes and our backyards even more and of course what many of us are embarking on and have been embarking on over the last several months domestic tourism so appreciating our surrounds doing our best to encourage and support each other by frolicking freely about as we're so lucky to be able to do here in Aotearoa New Zealand I will be heading off shortly to Fiordland have lots of adventures down there and it is just so stunningly beautiful it's absolutely exquisite really like a dream I couldn't believe it when I went there and saw it again for the first time having been there as a very small girl but being back there again is just incredible for me and this is our home we're so fortunate I've had the very good news that my mum has had her vaccination over in England this is very positive and I really hope that for all of you you're in touch with those that you love and you're seeing ways that we can get through this together I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow thanks so much you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with Damien Foster Damien, um, I'm doing some work at the moment looking at the power of imagination and creating change, I suppose, is, is a, a good way to sort of describe what I'm writing about. And do you do you think imagination plays a big part in what you do and, and getting kids to sort of visualise where they want to go? Is that part of the process? Yes. Um, yeah, and it's amazing what they can imagine. Um, so recently, um, <clears throat> the children, well, the council, they were, they were looking at, um, options to redesign the waterfront in 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 Wanaka. Um, and I would say a big, you know, a big part of the design was commerce, um, traffic flow, and things like that. And um, the children came up with their own designs. And, and the important things to the children, of course, were um, being able to hang out with their friends, being able to play, having trees, access to the water, not having roads at all, or, or just having cycleways and free bikes and um, all, all of these things, um, I think are absolutely fantastic ideas. You know, <laughs> so I, I like that that they they don't have the trappings that perhaps or the norms that we as adults immediately think of. So um, yeah, it's a real privilege to work with them and their their imaginations. Do you think that um, that I mean, like if the the narrative in the media is so bleak? in terms of our, our environmental future. Do you think that our kids sit there imagining that? Or do you think that 
I suppose with the work you do, you would be teaching them to reimagine in a positive way. Would that be fair to say? It would, yeah. So eco-anxiety amongst children is a real issue and, and, and it is recognised by the Ministry of Education uh, and schools. And, and it's a message I, I um, am really mindful of and deal with delicately. I, I think our, our role, especially with the younger children, is to just be positive um, and to celebrate uh, the, the benefits that, that they get from the actions they take. Um, now, that, that might not be measurable in a global sense, but in a, in a primary school or early childhood centre, if you plant a fruit tree, the next year you will you know, benefit from that and you'll see the birds benefit from that. Um, so I, I think for children especially, it needs to be tangible often so they can see the benefit that, that, that they bring about. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, positivity is, uh, I think, one of the most important tools in the toolkit with, with this work, yeah. Do you, with little kids, how, how do you give them a sense of, I'm, I'm struggling not to say time, but I'm going to say time. Because the, mm. future's, the future's a long way off. And for a little kid, that's quite abstract. And the past is even more abstract. Yeah. And uh, they're deep thinkers. So um, last year, some children, one of the questions they had for me when I went in was, you know, we've been doing our action for sustainability. Why aren't we seeing a change? Um, you know, and they, they were referencing climate there. And uh, it's very hard to explain that you're not going to see an immediate change. Um so um, I had to sort of bring them back to, well, you know, when you did that clean up at the beach or when you cleaned up on the side of the road, there's an immediate change, you know. And whilst you can't see that the plastic you, you know, pl plastic that works its way into a waterway can go into the ocean and then work its way all the way around the world, you, you can't see that. But be assured that, that the action you took, you know, helped mitigate that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've, uh, yeah, I've learned not to underestimate the depth of their thinking. <laughs> Do you, does your curriculum have notions of, of systems? You know, you, you were talking about how they they having some doing something here and it's having an effect something there. Does that do, are they thinking about sort of the whole globe as a as a system? Is is that something that you managed to get across? Yeah, they are. Um, gosh, I think they're aware of that everything is connected, and and we've got some we've got some great activities to um, try and demonstrate that. Um, I wonder if I can describe this one. So we, we, we will get all the children to stand in a circle and have a ball of wool and um, walk around to essentially make a big spider's web. And um, then we'll, we'll demonstrate that if you remove it, so each person is an element or a thing, or one person's the trees or the animals or the air or the water. If, if one moves, everyone feels it. And if one drops out or is removed, the spider web is, you know, um, so that web of life, if you like, is, is demonstrated in, 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 in that way. Um, but, but obviously we talk in greater depth about Fenogatunga, um, everything being connected. Um, yes. One of the things that, that, for me, that the pandemic has demonstrated or given us an, a, an example <clears throat> of is that everything's connected. That when we're talking about well-being we're talking about well-being of people and the environment and, it, and it's all connected and that we, we we shut down the economy to protect the to protect the people so it's, it's giving that connection it's not so obvious the connection to the pure environment although you can see that the the the, the, um, the virus is an environmental vector if, if you like do kids get that 
it's all part of the same system that you know there's there's no point talking about the environment separate to the people i think they do because um schools are a microcosm of society and a community and um you know i certainly wouldn't take credit for this but our schools do enormous work on um well-being and and supporting uh, you know children supporting one another um and it, yeah last year when covid was going on um enormous amount of work was done on well-being with with the children um i think some schools made it their their, their focus when children returned um so uh, i i think you know, if, I, if i compare it for example to when i was at school there seems to be a real emotional literacy um, and sense of well-being, and and they they have an empathy with um, the environment as well. Uh, I, I think um, look looking at the artwork, for example, um, gives children uh, a big, very delicate in the way I describe this. Um, they're, they're able to experience the environment it, 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 with a personality, perhaps. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not really my place to speak to that in detail, but uh, yeah. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze. Why this one? Um, I loved it the first time I heard it, and I've always loved it. And um, I I would love to experience finding a song and loving it that much and it, to continually make me happy again. I don't know if that will ever happen. I think there's a stage in your life where you hear some tunes and they just, they're with you forever. So, um, yeah, that's Anger, he smiles, towering in shiny metallic purple armor. Green jealousy envy waits behind him. Her fiery green gown sneers at the grassy ground. The life-giving waters take them for granted They quietly understand Once happy turquoise armies lay opposite ready But wonder why the fight is on But they're all
we've heard the pandemic described as a as a reset, as as a chance for us to stop and rethink. What do you think we can take from that? What 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 is the the opportunity that that's given us? Uh, I mean, personally, it it gave me. Um, an opportunity to reconnect with friends and family, which was very significant. Um, I, I think I, I did find the the, the lockdown um, quite challenging. I, I'm quite an anxious person, and I, I probably indulged too much in global news. But actually, uh, I did find some peace as well, and um, it, it was great to um, reconnect with old friends from home. Uh, and I've kept that connection going uh, when I really, really value it. So in a way, that was a gift of that experience. That's getting a bit awkward now as it's getting continually worse <laughs> for them and, and we're just living in one great bubble. It, it really is, yeah. Um, and and you're difficult if you get into political conversations um, and, 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 I, and you don't want to gloat, you know. Um, I, I, I've got an enormous amount of concern for, for my family members who are still in lockdown in, in Europe um, and... Uh, yeah, that, that you know, we've, we've, we're really in a very, very privileged position, and I'm extraordinarily grateful for that. Um, yes. Yeah, we've seen lots of societal change over the last year or so. What do you think is going to stick, and what do you hope will stick? Yeah, um, you know, I, I remember when we were in the thick of it, thinking, gosh, you know, people really might... Um, focus on family again and value you know when we were all making our own bread and things like that (laughs) spending more time with our families and stuff I I thought people would stick with that and perhaps many have I'm I'm still making bread but um I I I think there's going to be some good things that have come out of this um not least giving the planet a bit of a a rest a bit of a it's um yeah it, it will change I mean we're, we're learning to do without global travel and holidays abroad, which, you know, aren't we spoiled and lucky? But um, there's a realisation there. You don't have to go away on some fancy holiday to feel good about living your life. You can, you can stay at home and it's fine. It's great. I wonder if in a few years' time we're going to look back at the summer we've just had and see it as the, the great Kiwi summer where everybody was, was essentially equal in, in terms of not right. being able to go anywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I hope people have, have maybe learned the lesson you can do without, you know. What lessons do you think we can take from the, the pandemic response for the the things that aren't as easy to fix as just staying home and watching the TV for, for a few months? And I'm thinking of things like climate change or other intergenerational things, social equity and so on. Can we Can we take something from that? I think we can, because in some respects, this might be a rehearsal for future events, uh, a changing climate um it is likely to have impacts on all of us, and and we see that um, you know elsewhere in the world with fires and floods and and things like that. So um, surely that's pause for thought for a lot of us, and and um, probably we're going to need to do more of this kind of thing. I I, I hope it won't be as severe as as it has been for people. Um, and you know a lot of people are really suffering in in uh, the developing world, so. Uh, that's something we need to wake up to um, when, when we come out the other end of this. Uh, so um, with, without getting into the negative, I think the positive is it, the, the world has changed and we've, we, we've got to respond to that. During lockdown or perhaps beyond, did Enviro schools develop 
any COVID specific resources or, or ways of engaging kids using COVID as a as a talking point? Yeah, we um, we we did. I have to I have to say um, during the, the beginning of our lockdown, my duties were moved elsewhere because um, we we work up, you know with the community or other things as well. Um, we did a couple of zooms and things like that. I think I think there was a bit of Zoom fatigue from children. Um, I think we realised that um, there, there was quite a lot of good things going on in our community in terms of um, spotting birds in the garden. People were people were really engaging more with nature and seeing more of nature. So that, I, I, I recall that being recognised. Um, we did we did quite a lot of PD with teachers and and things like that. Um, I, I think. Uh, should we find ourselves in that situation again? We learned a lot of lessons on how to how to provide support in the best way under those circumstances. I guess in, when it when it was unraveling, we were all learning, weren't we, how, how to how to deal with that? It's um, we'll be better prepared next time. Although although I'd, I'd I'd like to think we took on the challenge. Yeah, we, we were still relevant. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? um i mean personal success is probably having this job to be to be honest i i, I really i i derive a lot of um uh, in integrity and probably dignity out of doing this work uh, i I've, i really enjoy it and um so that that's probably the biggest success in, in terms of my professional life is, is to find myself in this position I'm, I'm, sli- I'm slightly thinking you, you, you'd like me to say something like my child being born or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> which was a great success, or, although she's um, 10 years old now, so that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> so we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our, okay. team, of, it's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What's the superpower that's got you into our mansion? Oh, you might be better able to answer that <laughs> i'm not sure how i got in we, we met didn't we at, um sustainable education yeah. conference for the region of, of um, uh what superpower positivity i hope I, I think that's you know that's a good superpower and, and we can all access it we talked quite a lot of when we set this show up about it being positive but not deluded yeah yeah that's that's a good um uh, balance yeah because deluded positivity is is not really taking action is it but um i would say you can't underestimate the power of being um positive especially in the context of sustainability because it's so easy to get into the negative and to lose power <laughs> it, we, we don't tend to do it so much anymore but it certainly used to be when you were teaching sustainability you would front load with doom there would be an mm. awful lot of pictures of polar bears on, on, on ice flows and look how terrible this is. And yeah. We, yeah. it tends now to be much more of a, a, a thriving future approach. I mean, the, the conversation will often be led in that direction. So you have to gently nudge it back. Um, and, and that will come from the children as well. You know, it's a compelling image, a, a polar bear on a, <laughs> I mean, I mean um, plastic bag in the mouth of a turtle was very prominent image a couple of years ago um, but but now we can tell the positive story that we don't have plastic bags in New Zealand anymore you know so uh, it's, I guess how I've, I've learned with the job that that's necessary you need to steer the conversation to the positive I did like that that I suppose it was a meme about the if you're upset about plastic bags wait until you hear about the SUV 
But yes, this is true. Yeah, and, and there is an element of delusion in the positive story about plastic bags. But um, it's one step on on the journey, isn't it? You know, um, and I think um, children had a voice in that decision making. So that that was also great really and i think that i mean if they're doing things like writing to to environment ministers then somehow mm. they're getting that sense of leverage they're getting that sense of what action can we be taking that has the biggest yeah. impact people listen to children counselors um even you know if they pressure the local cafe to stop using straws or things like that people want to be seen to be listening to children so um it is empowering for them when they make that realization and and it doesn't have to be uh, uh, you know they throw themselves into the battle it can be it can be a simple thing like uh, yeah like the straws or something like that although how do you stop them getting disheartened when they write their letter and nothing changes yeah yeah um funnily enough i haven't found myself in that situation <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i, I there's the children are always guided by their their teacher you know it's not uh, my role as a facilitator is to help um help things happen so um ultimately the teacher is is taking care of the long long-term things like this um yeah well I, you could make an argument for resilience you know mm. and when are we going always... when are we going <laughs> to lose all those car parks in front of the the wanaka lakefront yeah i'm not sure um how that's developed that um proposal uh Hopefully what the children had to offer was, was listened to. And the council really do engage with schools. They're great for that, um, our counsellors, and, and with early childhood as well. So um, I, I, I really appreciate that, yeah. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, um, we, um, we are not activists, and um, I think I'd, I'd rather see myself as a change maker, um, but... I'll be frank. In here, there is an activist. I just think in the role of then um, the role of a facilitator, I'm um, I can go into any kind of school and work with any kind of teacher and any kind of child, and I, and it's not one of I'm not going in there demanding anything or or um, uh, it, you know go, go go in with expectations and there to help. Um, so yeah, change maker, I would I would prefer, but yeah. Peel away the layers as an activist. Because <laughs> <laughs> you must sometimes be treading a, a fine line. Because the, if you, if the kids get all upset about the the nitrogen in the river, it's probably yes. one of their parents that's putting it there. Yeah, you know, So we work, we work with um, children in rural communities um, whose whose families are farming families, and um, I I'm really grateful to farmers in our area because I'm able to tell really positive stories about the work farmers are doing. Um, last year, we went riparian planting on a farm, did water testing, had a look at the different species in the waterways and things like that. There's amazing work going on in this area. So I, I don't need to tell a, a bad story yet. You know, I can find positive ones. And uh, for, for example, I, I um, put a few children into hunting around here. They'll go hunting in the hills. And I'm always saying that's absolutely fantastic. Pest control, you know, the the bush needs you. We, we, we need you to do this kind of stuff. Um, so I guess those are examples of focusing on the positive, you know. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? It sounds cheesy to say this work, but yeah, it does. I, I, I think other jobs um, I have had in the past, I've not felt like jumping out of bed in the morning. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? You know, um, but 
when you're helping other people and they need your help, you've got to you've got to turn up and you've got to be your best, you know. Um, but partly because they might invite you back if you're not. So that, that does. And and I think I guess I I see it as a responsibility to do do the best I can with this. So yeah, that does that is motivating. And lastly, no, not lastly. What is the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two? Hmm. Biggest challenge. Personally or pro- professionally? It's the second last question. Anything you like. <laughs> um, professionally, we've, so we've got lots of um, lots more work we could be doing, and it's tr- trying to see how a that could be funded, and b how it will fit into time or limited amount of time. Um, personally, my daughter's going to high school. That that feels like a challenge, um, but a good one, you know, to walk alongside her on that journey. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, <laughs> um, no, I don't think I do, really. Um, I guess I've been pushing positivity throughout this. So um, it, it's easy in, in, in the context of a global pandemic to, to end up feeling very negative with your government or with this situation you find yourself in. But um, probably going to harm you more than anyone else. So, yeah, stay positive. Moira. I mean, there's this beautiful quote um, that no one can find a source for, which is, go out, go out, I beg of you, and taste the beauty of the world. Behold the miracle of the earth with all the wonder of a child. Oh, wonderful. It's so neat, eh? That's lovely. But you enable our kids to be able to do that, to be able to go out and to behold the miracle of the earth and to wonder and you stimulate their imaginations and you give them hope for a future by you know teaching them that they actually can take power in in this process of making things right and thank you for doing that you're extremely generous thank you (laughs) thank you you can find If a daddy's rich Take her out for a meal If a daddy's poor Just do what you feel Speed along the lane You can turn or return to 25 When the sun goes down You can make it, make it good And only five When I grab people When I daddy, when I mean We love everybody But we do as we please When the weather's fine We go fishing or go sailing in the sea philosophy Sing again, we go driving or maybe we'll settle down. 
your friends and we'll all go into town. Listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Mungo Jerry in the summertime. I'm Sammy Wannan-Soyers, Bay Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Wanaka, Damien Foster. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.